Hello and welcome to episode 20 of the Great Rift podcast. I'm David. I'm Jamie. Hello, Jamie. How are you, mate? I'm good, mate. How are you? Yeah, good, good, good. Um, so this is a new type of episode for the Great Rift podcast. We are actually doing interviews and we've got a lovely guest who I'm going to put on the spot and make them introduce themselves right now. <laughs> who are you and what do you do? Hey guys, it's, uh, it's James from Seed Studios. Nice to well speak to you, I suppose, all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cool. So, so yeah. Yeah, thank you for coming on, James. Really uh, thank you very it. much for having me. I really appreciate it a lot. So, James, we've done the intros. Um, I guess the listeners are probably wondering, who are you, if they haven't heard of Seed Studios, which would be surprising. In I mean, it'd be very surprising. I, I'm surprising. I'll but be very, very, very humbled at that because I, I always, always, as a rule, try and remain as humble as possible um, because uh, yeah, the Siege is obviously eight years old and uh, look, we've we've got a presence that we have. And But, you know, we, we I wouldn't say we're known everywhere. I suppose there's still places that we'd, we'd love to be known, but um, but hopefully in time we'll get there. But um, but yeah, so um, obviously I'm James. I'm, I'm the, the CEO and owner of Siege Studios. Um, we are a uh, premium commission miniature painting service with nearly 46 six members of staff on the painting team, uh, six office staff, uh, including myself. Um, we've been going eight years, formed in 2013. Um, and, um, and yeah, just, uh, we, we, we paint to uh, a minimum of an above tabletop standard as a minimum. So we don't, we don't touch sort of a tabletop kind of stuff. Um, the team of 45 painters, we've got a senior team and obviously the main team. Uh, senior team is made up of, um, several ex-members of heavy metal uh x games workshop army painting team uh we've also got multiple golden demon winners in the senior team plus a couple of slayer sword winners um and then obviously the the the, the team underneath that uh, who are all uh, that being underneath doesn't mean they're any lesser painter it's just a case <laughs> of um it's just a case of obviously that the senior team has a lot more of the accoladed painters in the company yeah. um but all of the uh, all of the team beneath that are uh, are all or I would still call senior artists and all have you know tens of years of experience and uh, many many sort of fantastic achievements although unaccoladed un- un- but they're still you know very 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 good painters um, I, you know I like that's a, a little humble humble brag of just dropping us and some Slayer Sword winners the <laughs> <laughs> thing is is like you know eight years as a business you know I've been very fortunate to, to to grow the company to the size that it is you know from a tiny and I you know I started it in a dingy little flat above the chemists you know um and um you know we we it was just me on the tools and I was working a full-time recruitment job at the same time so I was doing that had a couple of things happen that just made the company go atomic and you know I had to get my friends involved and turn it into a business you know so I was just going to ask, was it so? Was it something that you were were you painting yourself, and you just thought I could probably charge, you know, charge money to people to paint, or was it something that you were from the outset you were like, no, I want to make this into into a company? Was it just sort of, as you said, sort of more of a side hustle, and it just just grew and grew from there? Going right back, so like I've always been into art and painting. Like not obviously miniatures came a bit later in my life, but like rather than being bought toys that would be irrelevant many years later down the line. When I was a kid, my, my parents would stick me out in the garden with a long roll of blank, cheap wallpaper and six colours paints. And I'd sit there for hours on end painting during the summer. But, you know, that was that was my childhood was just painting like constantly. Like I was always doing it. And uh, my granddad was uh, an anti-aircraft gunner in the in the world in World War Two. And uh, he knew every single aircraft like in the RAF and like, the German Air Force and like, loads. Of, he was massively into aircraft. And then he got the pleasure of shooting them down during the war, unfortunately. <laughs> He got me into airfix kits very young. Uh, like he was like, right, you know, J- James is going to be a, a, a plane nut, and, and obviously I was. And, and as a kid, I used to stick the wings on the wrong way round and all this other stuff to my grandfather's sort of cringe, cringe face. At, at nine, my my sort of grandparents were looking after me one weekend, and um, on that fateful day, I got taken into a charity shop, and I, I, you know, as a kid does, just walking around, found this bag of of really badly made and painted Space Marines. And um, and you can kind of say that my fate was sealed at that point, you know, um, got into it hugely, uh, done the whole games workshop thing with with um, obviously sixth form. You know, I was in school, obviously I started painting stuff like, you know, I had a couple of friends at school that were doing it. So I'd, I obviously I was painting and 
kind of like commissioning kind of has like its initial roots there for me like i, I had friends that like chuck me a couple of notes like 20 quid a year or 30 quid a year and go oh can you paint this for me and you know and i'd just do it because i was like yeah i love painting and just after sixth form like everybody has a break i'd imagine like we all discover different right. things you know um mine was metalcore hardcore and and and, and girls well story to us here as well yeah. we're both hobby of kids and then as, as we got older yeah, found found hardcore hard, found punk yeah um, and then yeah moved away i, I think dave less so i think dave's always had a little his finger in the in the hobby pie yeah, yeah. 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 more than myself but yeah Beat downs and pints were a big deal. That's, for... that's it. Well, I, I was on the other end of the spectrum. I, well, I still am. I, I was, I, you know, I'm not. Well, I'll say it, I, I, I'm, I've been straight edge for like 15 years, and uh, and like I was in hardcore bands and, and metalcore bands, and obviously yeah. lived lived that lifestyle. And, and I wasn't one of those guys that would punch a pint out of your hand. So don't worry. Um, like um, you know, like I, you know, I'm a very respectful straight edge guys. What I am, and yeah. So I, obviously I was touring, and I, you know, I, I, fortunate enough, I was you know, we worked extremely hard, got into you know, got some record labels and stuff, and it was really, it was really good. And and you know, I wanted to do music. Like I, music was like my thing, and obviously all my Warhammer and stuff was in the loft at my parents' house. And um, I actually moved to St Albans, and I was living in St Albans at the time um, for a couple of years with my fiance uh, at the time um that all fell through just one of my, my best mate was i'm still mates with him but we basically he, he worked for apple and they gave him like a blinding job and he was like i can't do the band anymore because we started in a bedroom it kind of like was like well that's it you know you know yeah. we had massive tours and things planned and it just kind of kind of fell through um and at the same time my fiance at the time you know um, contracted or she contracted she became anorexic and that my, my sort of five year, six year relationship kind of ended. So at that point I lost band, I lost my relationship, lost my house, lost my car, lost everything. And I came back to, to Wickford in, in, in Essex and um, and literally like back to my room at my parents' house. And obviously my dad was, I, I think he was putting some stuff in the loft or whatever. And I went up there and, and then found my Warhammer. And it was just like, it instantly was like, well, this is what I'm gonna do to keep me busy and keep my mind off all the stuff that's happened. And um, it really like being frank, like, you know, it, it really, it did save me, I think, a little bit because I was like, I came back and I literally had lost everything, like, uh, you know, without trying to pull on the emotional cord or anything. But like, um, so I started painting again, started buying way more models than I should have bought. And um, and uh, the, 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 the grey shame started from there again, really. And uh, and essentially, I, uh, I I just started a little YouTube channel of my own and uh, started painting miniatures, putting up showcases like uh, like I used to call them like kit bash, kit bash diaries and things like that, where I'd like kit bash models together and all this kind of stuff. Built up a decent amount of subscribers, I think just under a thousand or so at the time, like back back in the day, ages and ages ago. It's a time when like Templars Crusade and people like that were like massive on, on YouTube. Yeah. And um, and then like I I got. I got like an email from the guys at, uh, uh, like uh, from from a couple of guys saying like, look, we we've seen your painting and um, I'm like we're really interested in sort of like chatting to you. We want to start like a commission, paint, but we're doing commissions for people, blah blah. I was like, okay, cool, yeah. Like I, I kind of know a little bit because I used to do it for my friends in sixth form and stuff. And um, and so I, I started working with them and like at that, the job that I picked up while when I got back from from St Albans was um, was uh, my was, I've always been a recruitment consultant so I've always worked in recruitment in and around tours and, and stuff I used to literally pick up a recruitment job because I could because I could do it and then I'd quit to go on a tour and then pick up another recruitment job or do a temporary contract or do you know so I'd worked around tours and things and uh, just got enough money together to pay for recording and equipment and all this kind of stuff and um, so I got a full-time job back in recruitment um, uh in, in Essex in Wickford and then uh and then continued doing that um and then at the same time was doing like some YouTube videos for my channel and then at the same time was doing like the old commission for this company but what I really quickly realized obviously having many years of recruitment experience up until that point like they were running it like really unprofessionally and, I, and I'm again trying to remain as professional as physically possible because I always try to run things and do things and, and be as professional as I can but like it just it was really bad like they're, they're, they're you know recruitment is the most regulated industry in the world and then to be working with people that just didn't do simple things to make the client at ease and all this kind of stuff and it just so at that juncture the me being the person I am I was just like right well I'm gonna do this myself and I'm gonna set up my goal after that bad experience of working with them was like I'm gonna build and, and do the most professional company I physically can in the industry uh, and obviously, I'd done my research. I saw that it was a very open market. There was nobody doing it the way that the way that I wanted to do it. And 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 I just went, well, full on, all in, twenty four, three sixty five, and that's all I just did. You know, like I've always, um, 
My, I had a Spanish upbringing. My dad has always made me work for everything I have. I've never had any handouts or anything from him. It's mm-hmm. like, if you want something, you work for it. It's a Spanish upbringing. It's very sort of like, it's quite strict. And like, and, and he was like, you don't get anywhere in life by being given stuff. So I started Siege. I set it up as a just as a little thing. Um, started doing it around my recruitment job. Um, mm-hmm. Two or three years doing it. Obviously built up quite a decent amount of little clients and things like around from my YouTube channel and from doing it. And then one day I I, I got um, I got a message from from Matt and Dave at Mini Wall Gaming, and uh, I saw I'd seen their video as well. So I kind of we kind of messaged each other at the same sort of time, and um, and uh, they were doing like their partner, their painter partner program that's what it's called at the time and um i so i ended up painting loads of their um loads of their mini wargaming chapter models for them like for their army there's like a green and yellow really cool kind of like mantis warriors kind of like scheme mm-hmm. um i can't miss something of the forge it's gonna drive me nuts not being able to remember it but it's it, it, yeah, that's what it's called and um yeah so i've done the first lot for them and i thought nothing of it i was like oh cool yeah like painting some stuff for them and i and being honest i just didn't realize how big their channel was at the time i just i just i hadn't really i I was like cool like a channel was asking me to do something for them i didn't really think about it and i was a bit naive to to sort of like youtubers i knew templars crusade and a couple of others but i didn't really know of mini wargaming at that point and i just thought oh okay well it'd be good they're american it'd be great to do something with them Week week or two goes by after I sent the parcel, and I went up to Warhammer World for like a, a Battle Brothers tournament with like yeah. one of my mates from from when I lived in St Albans, who kind of got back into Warhammer when I kind of was still kind of in St Albans, kind of in Wickford, kind of fifty fifty, and um and like on the Saturday mor- on Sunday morning, like literally my phone was going bonkers, like right right like email was vibrating. I was like, what the hell was going on? Like it was literally going on like crazy. Long story short, they'd put a video up on their channel, like without even saying they were going to do it. I didn't realize they were going to do a video, and um, and my email address, that the CG email address that I'd set up, was in was in the description of the video, oh, and yeah. and I woke up with like fifteen hundred emails, <laughs> and I was just like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, uh, so me being the person I am, I was just like, right, well, let's let's make this professional business that that I that I wanted to do. Um, so I got got a couple of my friends involved, uh, you know, that were in the competition painting scene, kind of like what I wanted to focus on doing, like for my hobby, if that makes sense. Yeah, like, yeah. Um, it's, always, um, it's always interesting because I think some of us, it's, it's always like between, I always find there's three kind of people in this hobby, isn't there? It's the, the gamers, the people who enjoy painting, but kind of it's a mixture of I want to get stuff done tabletop, but, you know, yeah, yeah. and there's the people who are, and I think because of social media, this, this group is really gone a lot bigger probably yeah. because of yourself as well is is the people who want to become more pro painters mm-hmm. yeah and like um and so 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 that's kind of what how it, it started i you know and and i've got to take my hat off to the guys of mini wargaming like dave, dave and matt like you know um siege would not be the company that is if it for weren't weren't for that almighty trampoline that they gave me back in the day like and they they don't do it anymore which you know is siege is a testament to that painter partner program like it initially like they gave me the biggest springboard that you could ever possibly imagine and i'll forever be forever i I said it to matt like the last adepticon that we actually could go to because of the the pandemic like i stopped matt in one of the hallways at adepticon and said to him look like no no bullshit like honestly dude my business is where it's at because of that working relationship from day one and i'm like eternally grateful to you for that i can't thank you enough for, for giving me the ability to do what i love for, for work and, and and go to work every day and it not feel like work it's just like you know apart from when dhl don't turn up yeah and um so i got massively mucked around i built up a very good clientele in my recruitment job i knew what siege how siege was doing i knew uh, obviously how much how many hours i was doing and putting into it and i just thought well i'm giving all this i'm a big one of my big things is time it's this one commodity that you spend without even realizing that you don't get any more of it right i am going to work and build my own build siege to be the company that it, that hopefully in five ten years it will be and and the the thing is is like anyone in the company at siege like i'm i grew up i i grew during recruitment seeing bosses of companies that were resented by their staff because they turned they were the last person into the office every day and the first person to leave one of the questions i had was like about um what is a standard week at so that's a really good question like like the, the first thing i was saying is something that i w- want to say before i touch upon any of that question is is that 
I am a firm, firm, firm believer in being fair and treating staff or people that work for you like not just uh, the word friends. And I want to say friends. I mean that in the sense of being a true friend, not an acquaintance. That's the first thing. Um, and the other thing as well is that Siege would not be the company that it is to this day if it wasn't for 50 percent. The, the team and the people that work for the business now. Like when it went past the moment where I needed to employ painters, okay, or people in the office, yeah, it 50% of Siege is everybody else in the company, not me. Like I, I, I may steer the ship now, but past the point of needing other people to paint miniatures, to help with the office, all that kind of stuff, like their 50% contribution in the sense of, well, I got it to that point that it needed them and then they support it as I grow it even more, if that makes sense. Yeah. It's a true 50-50 symbiotic working relationship and everybody is treated like a, as a friend and as a true valued person in the company. There are so many companies that see staff as cogs in a machine. It, that is not the culture in my business. My culture is very different to a lot of companies because I understand that people are human because I've been there, I've done it, I've, I've lost everything I've ever had and had to start again. So I, I firmly understand the human side of things. And, and I think a lot of companies are very cold. And even though I'm very business driven, I'm also very understanding of human factor as well, which I think is something that a lot of owners of businesses, or I say bosses, don't understand, which I think is important. But mm-hmm. in, answer, in answer to your question, a week at Siege is the, the office is open from 9 till 5.30 typically. Um, I'll get in normally between 6 to 7 o'clock in the mornings when I'll get in. Um, obviously open up the office, do all those things, set up, or set up my laptop and computer, just check my emails briefly. Um, at the moment, I, I just want to say the caveat of this year has been absolute pandemonium. Like it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's been so different from a normal year. And we've had, because look, I'm not going to dive into politics because that's a minefield in itself, but because of the irregular messages and the different and the things that have happened, we've had people in the office sometimes, we've had people, no people in the office for months and months at end. We've had people working from home. I didn't furlough anybody from the business. Oh, that's good. All right. I didn't want to furlough anyone because I believed in, through the difficult period, giving as much support as I can to them. Um, plus also because we are an online business, location, albeit you're not going to work 100% working from home, I'm fully aware of that, especially with some of the staff having kids and some of the staff having yeah. you know other things and pets and all this other malarkey. Like, you're never going to get 100% out of the team when they're working from home that's you have to understand that from day one but with that caveat the times that we've been able to be in the office socially distance it is obviously a bit more productive because everyone's in um you know and many hands make light work obviously but i think the thing that has been most difficult is that everyone's role has a percentage of office duties that's involved within it now obviously they can all do their their digital things from home but the office side of things you know it's had to be covered if that makes sense and 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 i've only told a couple of the guys in the office this recently but over this last year there have been weeks and evenings where i've taken a sleeping bag and pillows to the office Mm. like and i've slept there to wake up early to just because there's been so much stuff to do and the reality is is that that is what a leader does not a boss you know Mm. and and that's the culture that is in our company you know um but a typical week monday to friday Nine till five thirty for, for the normal office staff. Um, we've got a couple of painting team at the office, but the majority of the painters, obviously, because of the pandemic, have been working from home, and a lot of the painters are, are remote and do paint from home as well. So we've not been too badly affected at that. I'd say probably Siege has been operating about eighty percent over the last year. Yeah. Um, it's not really been the actions of Siege that uh, that have um, that have made things at eighty percent. It's a lot of things within the industry, like model supply, where GW stopped producing for various months. We've got you know that, that trickles down to suppliers. Other manufacturers stopped producing stuff. No word of a lie. This year, I've done more late night car park exchanges for models than I ever <laughs> than I than, than I ever care to remember. Like in one of the occasions, and I told Joe, who's my artist manager in the office, like I, I said, I pulled up to this to this car park in like Chelmsford somewhere, and obviously me and this guy are exchanging money for models. Like it's like black brown paper bag kind of deal, and it and obviously for all intents and purposes, it looks like there's a drug deal going down or something. <laughs> obviously great great models are considered plastic crack but that's only a joke you know like and 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 the reality the reality is is that i had a police car pull up next to us and go all right lads like what are you doing like and then i actually had to say it's not what you think i'm exchanging money for some models that i bought off a facebook group and uh it went models what like airfix and i went uh no it's warhammer and the policeman actually collected warhammer so that kind of saved me so you know so so uh, so there's been some really funny things that have happened but 
the, the working week is separated into many different things. Mondays typically will be obviously dealing with the vast plethora of emails that we receive, uh, you know, inquiries, all those kind of things. Uh, and typically on a Sunday, uh, I'll do a load of inquiries just to just to catch up with like, uh, you know, as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, and then obviously working through the week, it's going through parcels that have come in, going through parcels that are going out, QC models, video models. Abby in the office does all the photography and digital side of things. So she'll be recording videos and, and uh, as in recording all the stills and everything all over the week. I, I have to say this, like, you know, um, I will always remain as humble as I physically can about what the company is and where it's gone and where it's come from. Because quite frankly, like I I had Joe and like Lou in the office who does uh, accounts and does a lot of inquiries and does a lot of the, 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 the other bits and bobs in the, in the office. They have to always remind me that Siege is way bigger than it actually is. It, it's still my little baby that i started in a mm. crappy little flat above a chemist do you know what i mean and, and like and and i have to sometimes realize that it's this thing that is like recognized quite well and, and has obviously the reputation that it does and i and i and, and, and it's not this little thing anymore like it's yeah i was, I was gonna say um i was gonna mention it earlier you know when i think of sage um you know i, I just think about the plethora of uh hobby gaming videos i've watched you know for <laughs> the likes of tabletop tactics and striking scorpions and all the other ones that are out there. And I swear it's always, I notice if I don't see the siege logo at the start of the video. Well, thank you. That's very kind of you. It's, it's, it's a strange one. You notice it when it's not there. It's like, ah, you haven't got sieged yet. <laughs> I, 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 I really, I really appreciate that. That's hugely humbling. As I said, like there are days where simple emails from clients that say things or that say kind of, that say stuff about their projects or about the, the way that they've been dealt with or, or like, I, I am perpetually humbled by the company and it, and it keeps me in that position of humbledness because I would never, ever want to be like, do you know the fuck? I, I'm not that guy. Like I never have been and never will be like. Um, and I think that happens to a lot of companies and a lot of people when they do start to get, you know, a bit of a following or whatever. Like, and I think it's really important to remain grounded. I think it's hugely important. Like, um, I, I would want anyone who's a, who's a customer or a client who wants to come up and talk to be able to come and talk to me like and that's part of it as well like all the guys in the painting team know that like they can message me or contact me whenever and albeit obviously very busy like I, I I will always endeavor to get back to them as soon as I physically can around obviously steering this behemoth that is the company you know and and like I, I used to hate that when I was in, in, in like some of my previous employments where you'd see the the, the owner of the company come in three hours after everybody else closes office door and, and, and you feel, oh, I can't talk to him or, you know, blah, blah, like, you know, like, I'm not like that. We, I, I say this in, like, we've got an open plan office where everybody's in the same room. Everybody can talk to everybody. Everybody can ask questions. You know, everybody can, you know, um, can engage and there's no sort of like, I'm busy, don't talk to me. Like, I can't stand that shit. Like, I really can't. Like, it's just yeah. not not the culture that I, I want people, I w- my biggest thing I want it's for people to come into work that work for the company and to be like, I enjoy my job and I yeah. enjoy and I enjoy being part of this thing that that's come from nowhere. You know, I, that's that is for me is, is the most humbling thing. It's giving it's the one thing I used to see all the time. I used to lack in in, in, in recruitment is seeing these soulless people in, 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 in that feel like they are just a, a piece of a puzzle and they're not like, you know, they're not part of the creation and the thing like this is the, I, I think giving value to people who work for a company is really important. And, and I think the way that I try and do that in Siege is, is anyone in the company, like, and I mean anyone, whether you are someone who just works in the packing room or someone who, 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 who works on, in, in artist management or someone who works in, in videography or whatever, anyone can bring an idea to the table for the business openly and go, I've got this idea. Yeah. This I'd like to do this. I want to. I want to do this. I want to do this. I think we should do this as a company because we're not doing it. The problem is, is that like the only the only ground rules I have are number one, it can't be negative to reputation or what we do as a company. It can't be a financial black hole because at the end of the day, it needs we're a business first and foremost. We yeah. are a we are a business. The word hobby is not. It's the one thing that is banned at the company, which is the word hobby. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, because. Why- I want to hold on that for a second. Why have you banned the word hobby? When I say banned, I mean you'll never find it on any company literature, and it's not something that we—it's not something that we associate with Siege. Um, and the reason for that is our industry, and I'm talking commission painting. Um, its roots start with the bedroom painter, if that makes sense, and the and the hobbyist attempting to earn money painting it. It's not—it's not like any other industry on earth. All right. A lot of people disagree with me with the next statement I'm going to make, but. 
when you dial it back and really go into it um, and, and separate it down into the core things, it, hopefully you'll see it from my perspective, which is commission painting is a trade. Okay. An electrician or a plumber or a carpenter has to study to and get qualifications to to do what they do. Okay. If you remove a bit of paper with a signature on it, with some stamp or logo on it that says you've been on a course, all the years and most importantly, the time that you do not get back, that you invest into upskilling up yourself and becoming a better painter, yeah, that is your training. All right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it's a physical act that uses time, experience and knowledge and the application of techniques to create a final result. So yeah. when you dial it back to those core competencies, it is no different from being an electrician, from being a carpenter, from being a barber, from being a hairdresser, from being a mechanic. It is no different from any of those trades, and it is a trade. The problem, the problem lies with our industry starting off in the ho- as a hobby. And a lot of people, what they do, unfortunately, uh, is they approach it with a hobby mentality. Well, there are plenty of hobbyists attempting businesses, and many, and, and GW are not a hobby. They are a business, first and foremost, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah. All right. Okay. They they are completely a business. If GW ran their company as a hobby, they would be out of business. Yeah. And I would. think and I think you've only we've only like our industry, and I always say this to people, like our industry is about three to five years behind everybody else industry wise commercially. You're only now starting to see the industry become a lot more commercialized. All right. As in more and more people setting up and running factual businesses all right that have staff have turnover have um a professional approach in the industry you know uh and and it's it's because our industry started from those grassroots grassroots of being a hobby that many people approach it from that mentality so mm-hmm. right from right from the beginning siege was established as a fully limited company registered with company's house we have an accountant, we have a solicitor, we have everything that a professional business has. We have everything involved in the running of the company, which is a professional business. Like everybody has their different armies they love and they have their own personal hobby. That isn't banned, obviously. That's what that's what makes them love what they do. However, when it comes to Siege, we are a business first and foremost. Uh, we wouldn't do something that generates revenue and not doing it in a way that means we are profiting, if that makes sense. Okay, yeah. because because. Yeah. Because that's what a business is. That's the sole purpose of running a business. Otherwise, Siege would be a charity and we just paint stuff for free, if that makes sense. You know? <laughs> no, like, I, I, I totally agree with your point. Sorry, I was going to say that. Um, and I, I, this follows into a question. is like, Yeah, I think if you were just drawing, shall we say, and I think art in general probably has a, it has this, doesn't have the same stigma where, say, if you did a drawing and someone said, oh, I'll, pay you, I'll pay you for that drawing. And, and you can say, well, now I'm an artist because... You know, I'm a commissioned artist, or so. So I think it's just the same. If it's a 3D model or or something on a piece of paper, yeah, it shouldn't make a difference in terms of that. Well, you're, uh, you're, that's a very good point, uh, and it's an analogy that I compare the industry to quite often. Like I'll call I call commission painting the industry the Wild West. Those aforementioned trades which we spoke about, they're all regulated. Yeah. Okay. So you have professional bodies that make sure that there are standards within that industry or right, that specific trade like you couldn't have a plumber come around your house or you couldn't have an electrician come to your house unless they're corgi registered or something like that okay like but commission painting there's nothing like that so you don't have any kind of regulation or governing body or set preferential standards because number one it's come from a hobby environment and number two it's art, which it is what it is. It is it is art. Painting miniatures is is just like you're saying, like art and stuff like that. But like your perceptional value of something is very different. So you're combining art, which is something that is in the eye of the beholder, all right, um, and then you're combining that with something that so it's a mishmash of a trade that's unregulated with art. So that's what commission painting is, um, which is why I call it the Wild West because we do have you know different standards all over the industry. Um, Siege is different. There is a regulation system in place. I'm not going to go into details because obviously that's what makes Siege what it is, combined with all the other things that we do in the office. We have regulation. And on top of that, we pay out thousands of pounds a year to have a fully internationally recognized platform, which is Trustpilot. The difference with the way that the culture, hopefully, that we have at Siege and the way that we are is that if something goes wrong, we treat you the best we physically can. Far too many companies make a mistake and don't give a shit about the customer. If we make a mistake and it's genuinely our error, I will humbly take it on the chin hold my hand up and go we made a mistake 
but what we're going to do is we're going to treat you the best we physically can and we're going to fix it as quickly and as best as possible to your expectations of what you paid for okay mm-hmm. that's the difference between what we do and a lot of other companies in different industries and hopefully that combination of the culture plus the quality and the way that we are will maintain hopefully continue the reputation and also the, the the rating that we have because we do give a shit about our customers so you think the perceptions changed with gw recently becoming becoming so much bigger than it used it ever was in the past and and the social media aspect i mean the company itself has grown huge and and it's um it's you know everyone knows about its profit etc in, in yeah the news. of course do you think course. do you think it's perception of the hobby in general from your point of view has changed through time I, I i you are always going to have the diehard hobbyist who thinks that hobby should be free and that gw is this lovely company Look, i'm the biggest gw fanboy you'll ever meet but the reality is is that because our industry is graining more traction the shares on the on the FTSE 100 have increased massively in their in their worth um i'm gutted i didn't keep mine um but the reality is the industry is becoming more well known and this year this horrible terrible nightmare year that we've all had has done nothing but strap the largest rocket booster that nasa would be jealous of to our industry the reason for that is because of perceptional value now what i mean by that is I, I grew up playing computer games as a kid with a computer game or something that is escapism that doesn't give you an, an item of physical value, all right, as in it's, percept- as in it's, as in it's not tangible. If, you're, if you have a power cut or your memory card or your hard drive gets fried on your console or your PC or whatever, everything all the time, which is the commodity you don't get any more of, all that time is null and void and you don't have anything to show for it, Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whereas if I put five or 10 hours into painting a miniature, unless that model is stolen, catches fire, I sell it or I lose it, I'm always going to have it. Yeah. yeah. And especially with the way things are at the moment, with being trapped in the house and all that, there's only so much Netflix you can watch. Yeah. And there's only so many hours of a computer games you can play before you get bored of it and you actually want something that is worth the time because you feel like you're wasting your time. Yeah. And I think that because of that, You've, we've had a surge of not only people doing more hobby because obviously they're trapped in doing it, but we've had people that used to it as a kid that think, oh, I used to play Warhammer as a kid. I, I can actually do that. And it's something that I have, have for the time I'm investing into it, if that makes sense. Like I speak to many suppliers in the industry. I speak to many, uh, my other business, Artis Opus, which is the brush company. We've, we've, we've had crazy, crazy years in the sense of people buying stuff because people who want to do stuff that they've got value for the time they're yeah. investing because everyone feels that this year that's gone by they've got nothing to show for it you know most people that i know have said oh this year feels like it's gone by so fast because they've, they've had so much time to burn and kill if that makes sense yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I, can, I, I, I painted an entire space marine army in yeah three month window <laughs> well, exactly and that, that's, that's exactly my point me on the other side of the fence this year feels I, I want this over i want i want my staff back i want i want people back in the office not because i'm this this dictatorial director or owner of a company it's like get, get the get the fuck back to work not like that i just genuinely would like my social group back and i like the people that i spent the day having a laugh with as well as working and yeah, doing the thing that we do it's felt like the longest year ever to me it's it's really it's really interesting like our industry already is, is growing at an alarming rate and i i can't thank gw enough <laughs> for, for the changes that they've made in their policies with being the community like if we all know that there was a period of time again remaining as professional as possible and not trying to word it in the incorrect way gw didn't really engage with the community very well and that's all i'm going to say about it all right i, I remember it that they, they have done a complete 180 and that hats off to the community team and to everybody in in that in that company that have gone mm-hmm. we done we done this it wasn't right Let's fix it. And they've not only fixed it, they've gone over and above to make it absolutely incredible. On top of that, we have, and I say this, we are on the precipice of the greatest period in our industry ever. We haven't even got media platforms producing series, films. Uh, we're seeing more computer games, which is obviously a, a thing that a lot of people are into, obviously computer games, and that, but that will still steer more people into the models and things. A decent, and I mean decent, and we're not going to talk about a certain blue space marine film. It's a difficult one, and, and, and I'll touch upon it really briefly. Like, you're not, I don't think you're going to get a Hollywood director produce a film for GW. We all want the narrative and background and the things that we read in black library novels or audiobooks to be perceptionally perceived correct by the films. We don't want Marines doing stuff that they wouldn't be seen to do it. And the guy who produced the Starties on YouTube deserves a standing ovation for the next fucking 100 years. Yeah, he, he, he gave us something that 
we have not been delivered yet okay and i've seen all the reaction videos from people that aren't even in the industry that are like oh my god this is incredible that has lit the spark which i and you see it now on youtube you type in 40k short film and there's so many people are starting to do it it's that snowball that within the next three to five years mark my words you are going to see proper films for our narrative directed by people who love are passionate and enjoy and, and most importantly are loyal to the ip yeah yeah there was that there was that guy who did the um the hell's reach one wasn't there and he's yeah. now employed by gw and he's working on that blood angels animation that they they're, they're going to produce yeah. soon so that is going to literally strap the biggest rocket booster to our industry <laughs> because because the easiest access to to ip is video or media yeah Mm -hmm. um, it's a lot of investment to buy a load of miniatures but watching a film you can go oh I understand that now you know and then when you look at the model and you see the ammo feed on the gun or you see the the the, the, the little details that are picked out in the film and all that kind of stuff you'll be like oh yeah I know that now it's, it's, it's the design language of it it's yeah it's it takes a while to that for that to embed and people don't, that don't know the hobby don't have the time I why, why the ultramarine film sorry the blue person film it's <laughs> why it failed so hard because it didn't do any of that it just had a bunch of dudes running around I think if they'd have been more loyal to the IP and narrative and not have fully clad tactical Marines acting like scouts and being completely oblivious to chaos and all this kind of stuff, like, yeah. you know, I think, think it would have gone down better. Um, it was just had an incredible potential with the voice actors and the people that were involved within it. And yeah. it just, it just, you know, uh, you know, it, it, it flopped harder than a crushed banana. So like, you know, it's, it's it, it got, the first little notch on the on the ladder so to speak yeah. you know but it but it was a notch that a lot of people just overlooked because it was like well that's not very and then what's the big weakness of it well it's the ip it's the way it was yeah. delivered so we yeah. are about to enter the most bonkers time period for our industry um i was thinking of maybe moving on to if you could give like painting tips or, or sure thing yeah sure, sure painting mentality or something that you'd be willing to part with when I when I leave the office, the the the, the, the work owner of a company hat comes off. Like I am a hobbyist as well. Yeah, I've got I'm, I'm the biggest Blood Angel fanboy you'll ever meet. So you know, like um, like um, the 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 reality is is like painting mindset. Like I the same mindset of f you, I'm going to do it is the way that I approach my painting. And it's the and fifty fifty percent of a painter is natural ability, and fifty percent of a painter is mindset. If you think that if you think you can't do something, you're already trying to run a race with your shoes tied. All right. Okay. The beauty of painting, whether it be on canvas or, or, or miniatures or whatever, is experimentation. And we're not involved in something that if you make a mistake, you're going to die. There's a really good acronym that I always use, which is FEAR, which is false expectations appearing real. I say this to a lot of people when we teach. I say this to a lot of people when we do one-on-ones or when we do uh, when we were able to do physical classes and, and teach. But the reality is, is that your false expectations about your ability are your first stumbling point. So. We have people that go, oh, I want to attempt freehand, but I'm so scared to do it. Well, have you tried? Have you tried marking out something and joining the dots up or making the lines or making a grid and painting within that? Have you tried actually turn from, from picture to, to canvas? Have you tried that? And then 99% mm -hmm. the of the time, it's no. Have you tried to be more comfortable at your desk, to brace yourself, to thin your paint more, add more layers, uh, be, don't be strained, be, be smoother, be neater, be sharper, all these things. Like you, you, your own mindset, is crucial to improvement as a painter and if you think to yourself i can't do it you, you you're giving up before you even try yeah yeah it's a strong mentality yeah having that sort of like i will do it i will succeed if it takes me three four five six seven eight nine attempts that is a process from start to finish you know where you want to get and what you want to achieve and you know and you know where you have to start and mm -hmm. there's no there's no quick route yeah and, and a lot of people take shortcuts and try and do things but a shortcut is only as good in painting as the quality it produces if, it, if you do something and it saves you a lot of time, but it, the result is crap, it's not worth take, saving the time. You might as well invest the time and create a good finished piece, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So one of the key things I would say is to push yourself outside your comfort zone. Your, com your comfort zone as a painter and your complacency, and what I mean by that in a direct black and white way is if you paint the army that you've been painting for the rest of your life, you're going to paint that the same way. You're not going to push yourself or progress as a painter. But if you pick a character model from a different game system, like I don't really touch Age of Sigmar unless I do what I'm about to tell you. Like, I love the models in Age of Sigmar, but I don't play the game. And I like using those as a fresh canvas that I've never painted before. And what I do is combine that with picking colors that I've never painted That's that much, that much of or that much with. 
And when you combine a model that you're new to and you've never painted one of those models before with colors you've never used, and you also add on add into the mix the, the little sprinkles on the top, which are trying techniques that you've never done before. Yeah. And, if you, and if you make a mistake, it's not the end of the world. You're not going to die. The model's not going to come alive and smack you around the face with its weapon. You have the perfect combination of things, mindset and technical things you have to do that mm-hmm. force you to improve and force you to experiment and learn. Yeah, I've, I've got a question for you about what's your take on, so you talked about the FEAR uh, acronym, but what about the other angle, which is managing your, your expectations of, of what you're trying to achieve? So I, I'm a really good example of that. I have a sort of level of painting that I'm comfortable with um, because I'm a sort of in the middle of the hobby. Yep. I love my painting, but I don't go to siege level on many things. I love my gaming, but I'm not a math hammer. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Bring it along all the horrible yeah. toys. <laughs> I'm also a big lover of the law and, you know, being squad markings and things like that for space. Yeah. I take that stuff too seriously sometimes. Like, it bugs me. There's, if I there's, the there's nothing wrong with that in the slightest. Yeah. Like, so what, what's your take on improving your painting skills, but within the space of... I My goal is always to try a new technique out with each new army. Yep. But... Uh, get it to a level that I'm happy with. So it doesn't, mm-hmm. I, I don't have to push myself so far. Or how would you advise someone to just go that little bit further? Like what is the sort of thing they need to think about? Whether you're pushing a little bit or trying to make vast drastic jumps and, and throw yourself in at the deep end, like any any slight outside of your comfort zone and trying something new is always better than being complacent and just painting the same thing over and over. And, like yeah. um, the, do it, you, that's a very good thing to just, every new project you do, try something that you haven't done before. It's a very good way of approaching it. Yeah. Like, you know, uh, you know, I think that 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 is a benchmark. You know, like we we have people say, oh, what, but what? What if I try NMM? Like, if I try and do non-metallic metal, like that's you know, a lot of people. It, it's something that bugs me a little bit about NMM is that people see it as like this pedestal path of righteous path <laughs> yeah. of right righteousness technique, yeah. and they they call it a technique. Like NMM is a te- it's not a technique. It's smooth blending, which is the technique, and then you have the knowledge and understanding of volumes, which is shape, so a sphere, a cylinder, and a cube. Uh, and how light interacts with those three volumes and how you should blend the colors on that volume to match where the light is coming from. That's what throws people off. Mm. But people, people call it a technique and they think they've got to jump in and do NMM as their, as their pedestal, pinnacle, pilgrimage technique, you know, if that makes sense. Um, back, back on point, like doing what you've done and choosing something new for a new project and trying something is a very way, a good way of doing it. A little thing that I would recommend is if you are stuck in your complacency and your comfort zone of painting your Iron Warriors like I was for a year, um, the best thing to do is to just have a character on your desk that when the moment your fingers touch that model, your mindset switches to I'm painting the neatest, the sharpest, the smoothest that I can using colours that I've hardly ever used before and I'm painting a model that I've never painted before. I guarantee you when you combine those things, you have everything in your arsenal to improve as a painter. One of my favourite pieces for competition that I've done is a Blood Angel squad, which I've done. And I, I'm very regimented when I do things. So I have a journal that has all my steps and has all, I've got, I'm pretty anal. I've got an Excel sheet for the process of doing competition pieces through yeah. so I don't make, so I don't miss anything or make any mistakes. I'm, I, I'm, I'm that OCD and I'm happy to admit that. But the reality is, is that in that one project, I combined painting the thing that I love with doing things that I was so far out my comfort zone that I have to either fail or succeed. Yeah. And doing it on something that is, this is for other people to tear a new backside on, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I, I, push yourself. You, you, uh, you can only ever be your own, your, your own worst enemy. And if when you, put, when you put yourself in that position where you either it's fight or flight, you have to succeed. You know, if, if, if someone, let's put it this way, obviously this is never going to be a case, will never be the situation. But if someone put a gun to your head and said, I want you to do the edge highlighting as sharp as you can all over that model... And if you make, if you're not sharp, I'm going to shoot you. Guarantee you, your mindset would be, I, fuck, I fucking need to do this. You know what I mean? Like, but the reality is, we don't have that proverbial gun against our head when we do stuff in this in the industry. But if you force yourself to be that mind, to be that way, and go, I'm going to do this. Whatever the result is, it's going to be way better than than the, it's going to be way better and focus me more than anything I've done before like with the greatest respect we have people apply to siege that are phenomenal painters but the mindset isn't there like the might might 50 of this is mindset it's i will do this if i make a mistake it's it's okay but i've learned something from making those mistakes yeah so like, yeah no, totally it, it's 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 so crucial 
to progressing as a painter in any format, whether you're just doing the occasional new thing on a project or you're like, I'm going to combine all these things, a model I've never painted, colours I've never used, painting it as soon as I touch my brush, my mindset is I've got to paint neat, got to paint sharp, got to paint smooth. Like that all together, even those individual aspects together will focus you. Um, yeah. And, and the last thing I'll say, because I know you're conscious of time, is right. a best little technique that I'll, I'll give to your listeners and something that I recommend that all of you do is, is weigh up the time allotment that you've got. If you've got to take the dog for a walk or to look after you or, or you know, uh, do whatever with your children or, you know, or you've got to cook dinner or whatever and you only have half an hour to paint, that half an hour of time that you're never going to get back, is that half an hour worth being spent painting those same models that you're used to painting over and over and over and over again, remaining within your comfort zone and complacency? Yeah. Or is it worth getting a buying yourself before this a sheet of plastic card an a4 sheet of plastic card cutting it into some small squares be it white or black obviously whatever color plastic card that you get and get the opposite the opposing color so white or black and just with a brush trying to paint with the tip of the brush sharp straight consistent lines that are next to each other like roman numerals when you're counting you can do the four and then the one across or whatever yeah mm -hmm. trying to paint using pressure management of the tip of the brush and try and get them all exactly the same length, exactly the same thickness and exactly the same straightness yeah, for half an hour and do as many of those lines as you can. I guarantee you, if you do that half an hour exercise and invest that half an hour of time that you're never going to get back ever again into something that improves your dexterity, muscle memory and pressure management of the brush, I guarantee you factually over a weekly basis of doing it once a week or every fortnight or whatever, you will improve in your brush control and the ability to do straight lines with a brush and, and most importantly do pull strokes which is the vast majority of edge highlights that you can't do with the side of your brush because everybody can anybody can edge, edge do an edge with the side of their brush quite easily after a few attempts yeah. but but manual control of the tip of the brush is a skill that once you have it nobody can take that away from you that's really interesting so it's, it's removing yourself from the pressure of dealing with a model and just honing the craft like yeah. it's just like it's just if, if you're in the hardcore scene i'll guarantee you now maybe like like me i wouldn't be able to play any of the songs anywhere near the speed or the the ability that i used to be when i was in when i was in bands but like i guarantee if you picked up a guitar i guarantee you'd still be able to do the odd note or the odd riff or the odd or the odd beat or whatever like it's, it's very similar to that like you've got to develop that brush skill and that muscle memory that's the starting point like 85 if you don't use an air if you use an airbrush to do your base coats and and pre-shades zeniths and whatever blah 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 like 85 percent of the process after an airbrush is is using a brush so if you're not mastering or trying to practice that in its in its in its in itself then you're not you're not really helping yourself you are proverbially running that race with your shoes tied i think yeah I, actually it was just looking today i put on our instagram is three inquisitors i've done and they, they literally do as it did for those is what you were saying is they're three individual figures not associated with an army and when I, my mindset going into those was not i'm not making an arm this is just focusing on these figures and try i tried to do better blending on the capes and it was just i took my time of it and it yeah the out the output was I'm not not boasting, but for me, my output was better on those models than most of the stuff I've ever done. And, exactly. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Exactly, and that's that, that's because you you've put yourself outside your comfort zone and you combined it with, I've got to be neat, I've got to be sharp, I'm trying new stuff. I want to, these models are characters, so immediately when you think about it, they've got to be the focal point of an army or a force or something, if that makes sense. You know, right. so th that that is what I would advise to your listeners and to anyone listening now is is do not remain within your comfort zone and the complacency of painting the same stuff that you paint all the time grab something grab a blister of a character or something grab paints that you're not usually paint with and try and do something far removed from anything that you've done before combining it with i'm going to paint this as the best model i've ever painted as neat and as sharp and as, and as refined as i can and you will grow when we give critique and feedback to people on models we do we a lot of people will vomit it at you and not separate it into these two things but when you separate it into these two things which are factual feedback based on there's a mold line on that model you need to take the mold line off and then stylize which is the model's red you've painted the cape orange but green complements red better so i would have painted the cape green that's stylistic there's nothing wrong with you with the orange that the person's used it's just stylistically stylistically that other painter would go well green complements better so i would have used that you've done it nicely but it's green would be a better color 
based on colour theory. Separating it down into those two things helps you massively. So do do that, bear that in mind when, when you are asking for critique and feedback as well as a little other bit of advice that I give to people. Yeah, I think colour theory is very actually very important in models because you see a lot, of, a lot of good models, but you're like, there's something not quite right about it. And then you go back and it's like, it's the colours. They just don't, like, you can quickly glance at it. It's really well painted. But when, you, when you're looking, flicking through Instagram, you're like, that's slightly off because because of the colours. And so, yeah, I think looking at colour theory, and I've done it myself with a colour wheel and, and decided on different things. And obviously you can purposely use that as well to be odd. I've done things <laughs> because... Because like Xenos armies, they don't, uh, you know, you've got an alien army, it shouldn't really, sometimes it doesn't fit, they, their colours should be a bit odd. As a final thing for painting, I would definitely advise to you, to, to your listeners and to you guys, is like, um, please, for the love of God, use real life reference. I have so many people that like, I don't comment on people's posts on Facebook anymore or on Instagram personally, like when people ask for advice on something, because I'm as blunt as a freight train. And the reality is, is like, I, I'll give you the example, and this is the last time I ever commented on something. Someone asked me, I want to paint weathered gold, as in like scratches to show that it's been like worn, like the suit of armour's had like been baroque, it's been worn for a long time. Is any, how do I paint weathered, weathered gold? So I went on Google Images and I found a weathered zoomed in picture of a ring on someone's finger and I found a picture of some armor paneling from an old knight okay an old knight suit of armor which had scratches and dings and chips and things on it and I just pasted those two photos as a, as a comment and said paint what you see in these photos the person messaged me and I'm not going to say names but the person messaged me saying oh that's really unhelpful putting that on there it's quite easy to put a picture and just say paint like this and I and the reality is is it is if you're trying to paint something real, okay, rather than looking in your head and going, how do I paint this? And it's yeah. a real it's a real thing. We've got Google Images, which is probably yeah. the, the best archive of photos <laughs> in the world, okay? You can type in anything on there. And I promise you, when you start indoctrinating yourself with this process of when first point of call is real life reference. Yeah. yeah. So when you're when you're looking for when you're doing zombies or wounded wounds and things like that, your, your search history is going to go a bit bonkers. All right. But, but, but the reality is, is if you do not use real life reference when it comes to, I, I want to know how to paint this. I mean, rather than just going, Oh, well, uh, Oh, well, like the good one's leather. Oh, I want to paint leather. Um, what will leather's Brown? No, don't just think leather's Brown search worn leather belt, worn leather pouches. And then, I mean, what you see Try and paint that because that will give you the skeleton. And if you can do it refined enough on the miniature that it matches the image that you are painting or looking at, you'll be one. You'll be a hell of a lot closer to painting the real thing than you will by just going, "Oh, it's brown," and I'm going to edge highlight it like the armor, so it looks exactly the. It, it's a classic. It's a classic thing. People will edge highlight leather the same as they would ceramite of a marine. And then if someone didn't know that the pouch was leather and the armor was armor, they'd go, "Well, it's the same thing." Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that distinction, isn't it? And, and even even as a final extension to that, yeah, like even if it's a not a real thing, like Tyranids, great example, yeah. You've got this guy on YouTube that's doing this amazing Carib coconut, um, the, the Tyranids, which I'm sure you probably you guys have probably seen. All right, Tyranids aren't real, and I hope they never will be. You can search lizard, crocodile, snake, scorpion. You can search all these things that no, they are not a Tyranid, but they are effectively comprised of the same segmented armor they've got soft flesh they've got patterns on them they've got and you can go right you know there's a, a really cool frog it's blue black and with some yellow spots i'm going to take that color scheme and i'm going to put that onto my tyranids for the love of god use google images as your reference because if you use it you're going to be a way closer to what you actually want to paint than just by going leathers brown Hopefully those things for brush control, real life reference, mindset, hopefully that gives your listeners a, a really good platform to sort of like reassess the way that they approach painting miniatures and the, the mindset of, of, of trying to push yourself, which is the, it really is the crux of it, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, it's, um, no, I, I really appreciate it. And I'm sure you do, Jamie. Like It's, it's nice to get the sort of insight. From, um, so I want to wrap up with a final question. Well, I might make it an ongoing thing for everyone we interview from this point on, as we are predominantly about the books and the world of Black Library. Yeah, let's talk fluff. Let's talk fluff. What let's, is... Let's do it. What, it's going to be a hard one. What is your favourite Black Library book and why? Right, OK. Oh, Gun is to the head. OK, so I 
Sanguinius is going to hate me because I want to say a Blood Angel book. It's the, I've got Fear to Tread. I'm going to have to go Fear to Tread. I, I'm going to. There is one other which I'll, I'll say, but I'll categorically say that Fear to Tread is one of my favourite books. Um, Interesting. Yeah, like it is one of my favourite books. Like I, I love that. The reality is, is that like that book for me. Um, I had been waiting for. I saw all the Black Library books coming out. I'm like, you know, oh, this this chapter's been covered. This back chapter's been covered. This chapter's been covered. I'm like, when is it my time? When am I going to un- learn from the inside about the army that I've loved since the moment I laid eyes upon the second edition bo- uh, box set? And to really understand the Primarch and to really understand the mindset behind the 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 the, the, the chapter and how the 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 way that the the Red Thirst and the Black Rage kind of evolved within the chapter, and then you've got the the, the Bardenites have always been very artistic in nature as a, as a race and species of, of humans. And, and then like see that used as a distraction later on as a chapter from the Red Thirst. Yeah. That's why they have chapter serfs, but they don't, they do their own armor and they've, they've, yeah. they've, they've got a pride of, you know, I want to, I want to do the artistic thing, all the livery and all the stuff and the, 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 the gems and the, the, the blood drops and the chat, the wing, all this stuff is all their own creation. And it really gives that pride of the, I don't want to use the term pride of the Legion, but it is, it is the pride of the Legion in everyone's suit of armor back then in the in 30 K was their manifestation and pride of their chapter of their heritage of, and on top of it, there was this underlying, I've got to do this because if I don't, I'm going to turn into this maddened, crazy you know and i love the depiction of yeah. where where sanguinius it, it it confronts the first to fall to the black rage and he and he's got this emotional balance of like i have to end his life because i can't let anybody know about what's happening to the chapter and this guilt that this inherent flaw has come from him and he's like running amok through the chapter and then you've got the the sort of like he's He's almost he's almost got like chronic not anxiety but he's almost got like chronic sort of like that acronym false expectations appearing real like he's he's like the emperor would have made me the war master but I but because I didn't believe in myself to be that person Horus is because as was is the war master and and because he has foresight you've also got this thing that he knows that he he knows in some way maybe not clearly and transparently at first but he not like not like night halter where he can actually clearly see the future he's got this like clouded understanding that because he doesn't step up to the plate he he just he'll fail fail, like and and his life will be his life will end because of his his not having that self-belief to be to be be that you know and then hiding hiding it from horus as well like because horus obviously confronts him about oh what have you been doing because like you know it's a really it's an amazing book and then you've got obviously the whole thing that happens on cygnus prime and and you know hats off to, to oh, Sanger. Yeah, hats off to Sanger for, for, for literally tearing Cabanda a new one. Like but the but the you know, it, it is the first time that I got to truly understand the the the, the lineage and the background and the, the flaw. Um, not interesting choice because I love the book. But um, me and Jamie have talked about it before with our with our gaming friendship group, um mostly based in Brighton and it's quite polarizing for its Yeah. There's yeah. quite a few people that don't like it because it's more. I personally think it's slightly. It's less of a war drama epic, like a space opera, like Star Wars, yeah. and more of a like Lovecraftian horror story. It is, yeah, because because yeah. you've got the Red Angel as well. Uh, not the Red Angel. Um, oh God, yeah, he's the Red Angel. You got the, the guy. Yeah, the, 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 yeah. yeah. He literally. He, he's like, I will sacrifice myself for the chapter, and yeah. and, and take it all. And obviously, then he gets basically turned into a plaything for most of the uh, most of the, the, the chaos primarchs yeah. and and what. But but the reality is, is that like he he makes it's almost like he makes the same ultimate sacrifice that Sanguinius does. Yeah. To to, to fight Horus, like he knows that it's going to kill him. He knows that it's it, that there is good in his actions, but he knows that there is no way he can survive. You know, yeah. like and, and it's again legion. It's the most humble thing that both the Red Angel and also Sanguinius can do in the actions that they do when they sacrifice themselves. You know, like, and I think just really quickly on an offshoot, I think you find a lot of people collect chapters and, and armies and things that they in some way relate to in some way. I think you've got yeah. a very personal connection to the to the thing. And I think, I, I don't know, I've always 
when I picked up the second edition box and saw the front cover, I felt red's my favourite colour. It always will be, and like I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an avid hoarder of the old blood red paint. So if you ever, if you've got a, if you've got, a, if you've got a couple of pots of it, I'll buy it off you for whatever you want. But the the, rea- the reality is, is that like, um, is that like, I read the, um, what's the, I can't remember the book now. The name of it's gone. I can't believe I'm having the mind blank on this. The uh, Angels of Death book that had the Blood Angel chaplain on the front yes. and the Dark Angels. Well, we'll yeah. forget about the Dark Angels because they they were just filler. But um, but the, <laughs> but but the the reality the reality is is that is that when I first read that book and I read about the different characters and I read about the background of the Blood Angels, I was hooked like like you'd not believe. And yeah. um, and then obviously Fear to Tread. Many years after understanding the chapter in the background way more, it kind of sealed all the things I was unsure about. And made me understand the character of my, yeah. the, my Primarch and also, like, you know, all, all the people that are in that book as well. Um, on a slight off tangent, the, the other one that was very difficult for me to choose between is um, the Aaron Dembski Bowden uh, uh, Abaddon series. All right. So it's the, you know, uh, Talon Horus. That book, I mean, ADB has always been an incredible writer. I love Tales of Reach. I love it. But that book is mind-blowing yeah i completely agree i mean um when you get if you get a bit of downtime me and jamie did do an episode with um beard and stig from tabletop i'll listen to uh, it yeah, yeah. But we we sort of go through the first book and i, I jamie i know it's one of yours it's probably my favorite adb series i mean he's not done a foot wrong in my opinion but no, night lord books are incredible books, Hell's yeah. Reach is incredible. I mean, Night Lord's book, I think that's ADB when he's as dark as he can be. There's a scene in there, I don't want to spoil it for anyone who hasn't read it, but there's a scene in there with the Night Lords, which quite honestly just epitomises their their barbaric, <laughs> cruel, evil nature. I and I think sure I know which one you mean. You know that scene. I know that scene you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's, it's terrible. But but the, the reality is, is that like everyone assumes that Chaos Space Marines are like these evil, maniacal, um, like... People. <laughs> they're just marines that that, yeah. that got led down the garden path the wrong route and and they they are they have they, they, there is humility there's kindness in a sense in some of the areas in some of the yeah. bits as well talos has plenty of weird level of kindness yeah especially for a night night lord as well yeah but like you know even though he's brandishing a short a sword which he shouldn't have but never mind um <laughs> but but um but it, to, to, to hear the story recanted by by um by the like the sorcerer uh kion like you know, like to, to hear it recanted in the way that he does, and he talks about them in such a well, they're just Marines that you know they hate their Primarchs, they hate them. They're yeah. like, like, what have you look what you've done? They, they, they inherently didn't really want to be evil or to be thingy, and they they were they were betrayed, even though the whole all the legions betrayed the Emperor, they were betrayed themselves by their Primarchs, yeah, like you know, like and 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 that's why Abaddon kill Abaddon kills obviously the clone of Horus you know like it's like well I hate you like I, I actually I hate you for what you've done to, you know yeah, to, our, yeah. to our to our to our legion we were your sons I think is one of the lines he uses or something like that like the, the chap the legion was named after like you know we are sons of Horus and you you betrayed us mm-hmm. you know like you know it's just it's a really really incredible series of books and I recommend anybody read yeah. it because it is jaw-dropping so he did announce on Facebook last week that he's just finished the third one. I can't wait. Yeah, I know. I mean, too. Me too. <laughs> I can't wait. Like the second one's incredible. Like yeah. uh, you know, like I, I, I would love him to do a Blood Angel series because don't get me wrong, James Swallow. I can't fault the guy. He's done a very good representation in all the books I've, that he's written for Blood Angels. But ADB has got this unique flair of captivating the 40k narrative and background in such a way that it feels almost more immersive than anybody else um does it but it's a consistent level of empathy with his characters like imagine imagine pitching khan the betrayer oh the black library editors and just going i'm going to make people really like him oh i (laughs) felt (laughs) i i i again i'm not going to spoil it because there are undoubtedly people listening that haven't they've picked picked and choose which black library books they've read or they maybe not read it but there's a point in one of the books in in, and i'm going to just i'll say which book it is but i'm not going to say the scene in betrayer there is a bit in it which you just you've got to like side with khan like you've just got to be like you know what fair play like like you just you just you know you're just like well you know what like the dude's not bad he's all right you know um <laughs> just a bit mental yeah like you know um but yeah but then um, we've actually done we've done this book as well as an episode and oh. you're like 
I actually, you know, usually I hate, can't stand word bearers, but you're like, I like this dude. This dude's great. <laughs> I, I tell you what, though. Tell you what, though. Whoever, like, Erebus is a character, no matter, I hate him. I absolutely yeah. despise the guy. <laughs> and, and the books do him absolute justice of how much of a whelp he is, honestly. Yeah. They really yeah. do. Like, um, you know, but... Um, Hand of Destiny. I love yeah. it. Yeah, but um, but no, but I'll say, guys, uh, thank you so much for 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 your time and for for sort of like you know allowing me to chew people's ear off. Um, I hope it's been insightful into what I do and to obviously uh, you know the industry and um, how sort of passionate I am about all aspects of it. You know, so um, thank you. Just to wrap up, is there anything you'd like to to end on for our lovely listeners? And where can they find you online? Well, Firstly, thank you for listening to me rabble on and ch- and chat about my absolute fanboy of Blood Angels and, and Games Workshop and, and miniature painting. Uh, I'll always remain humble. If if you are interested in finding anything about about Siege or what we do, or if you are potentially interested in working with us and us creating something for you, then uh, all you need to do is just go onto Google uh, or just do search thing and just search Siege Studios. Be it on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, uh, everywhere. Um, Joe has convinced me to set up uh, a TikTok. I will not be dancing. Um, <laughs> um, and, um, but um, but je- all jokes aside, if you are interested, then just search Seed Studios on Google. Hopefully, you'll find us. And um, and if you do want us to paint something for you, or if you want to learn from us in tuition, we have Patreon. We have one-to-one physical online tuition classes. And when this horrible year that we've all been going through has passed us, we will be doing physical classes again across the UK more so than ever. Um, so I hope potentially you could join us on one of those. Um, a huge thank you to you both dave and also jamie for, for having me on here it means so much to have your time and to get to chat my stupid uh, things that i talk about so so thank you so much no thank you very much i really appreciate it it's been great have a lovely lovely yeah. evening if it's, if it's, and uh, and i wish all your listeners well with everything that's going on and to you both at the minute it's um it's uh it's not been the best of years so uh so yeah we all want this one gone so yeah <laughs> oh well thank you very much i'm gonna let you go um and yeah we'll speak to you soon Thanks ever so much. Cheers, mate. Bye. Cheers, Jane. Bye.